Hello, adventurers. I want to take a moment to tell you that all our content can now be found uninterrupted and commercial-free on Apollo Plus. Apollo Plus is a subscription-based service that enhances your audio fiction experience with ad-free access to your favorite shows and exclusive content, while at the same time supporting us all as creators to keep bringing you quality content. Please take a moment to check out Apollo Plus at apollopods.com or download the app in your Google or Apple app stores. Again, that's Apollo Plus, your new home for quality audio fiction. Hello, adventurers, and welcome back. Thanks to our patrons, Ryan Donnelly, Lanny Flanagan, Jolene Fresquez, Haley Munoz, Daniel Nichols, Brian Dowling, and to you, our dear listeners, for helping to keep the adventure going this season. We'd like to invite you and your friends to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for news around our season finale. Just look for Dice Tower Theater. Also, if you would like to have a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any podcasting platform and send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address that we can send it to. It's cold here, isn't it? Looking outside, I can see old dirty snow half melted into slush. Cut by wagon carts. Last episode, Benedict the Paladin and Cordelia the Fire Mage found themselves kidnapped and transported hundreds of miles away to the far northern land of Wolfling. Sitting at the foot of the Obsidian Fortress and in the looming shadow of Lord Palace's dark throne. Dawn of Dragons, Season 5, Episode 8 Wolfen. Benedict found himself walking now, one weary foot in front of the other in the cold, dirty slush of the road. Snow had melted slightly in the day's sun to soften and churn with the red clay of the dirt below. They're leaving the rough log and thatch shack they had stayed overnight in when they arrived. I have to say, I am impressed. The bartender, who earlier introduced himself as Karn, was referring to their attempted escape a few hours ago. The guards had loosened their bonds to take their armor, leaving them in simple clothes. They saw a chance to get out and took it. Benedict only went down after delivering a few well-placed blows with his trained fists, and Cordelia mustered all her energies into whatever magic she could conjure up to give them time to get out. But it was no good. They were both far too weak to stand a chance. One of my men is mending a broken nose and arm, and another will be nursing some nasty burns for a while as well. In the state you're both in, that is some good work. Here we are. You know the drill. Hop in. Hey, you. They had reached the familiar horse-drawn carriage. This time, the shrouds had been removed and replaced with two benches to sit on. 
One of the guards was standing up in the center of the cart, offering her hand to help them up. She wore dark leather armor of mahogany and red, and her dirty blonde hair hung tucked behind her ears. She smiled at Benedict. You're finally awake. <sighs> no thanks to you. You have a strong left I didn't see. <laughs> Sit over there while I get your friend. Cordelian the warrior, known as Margot, sat down in the back of the cart. Cordelia, you are a great spellcaster. I do hope my trust is not misplaced and you won't do anything foolish, correct? Cordelia didn't answer. Karn shrugged. Turning back, he nudged the reins and clicked his tongue against his teeth behind the short-cropped raven-black beard, signaling the cart to move. They cut slowly into the same slushy muck they had walked in. <clears throat> I... I am Karn. You are in Redpine, home of my people. Ooh, the sprawling metropolis of Wolfen. You can see how rich we are. There's someone selling day-old bread. And hey, that kid right there probably chooses not to eat for a week, right? I'm... I I'm sorry to hear that your people suffer. Karn raised an eyebrow at the comment. He didn't want pity. To have this prisoner show humanity was... Well, unexpected. Ah, uh, I appreciate your understanding. The rich east where you're used to having plenty to eat and wear. Well, out here, in these more savage lands, things are more primal. We have to make do with what we can, and we take care of our own to survive. As Karn spoke, Benedict's attention was pulled towards two lit braziers as their cart tumbled past. In the middle, on a pedestal, sat a single ancient stag's antler. It seemed to call to him, and all time slowed. Suddenly, Benedict stood on ancient rocky terrain. He felt as if he had regained all of his strength, but a heaviness bore on his heart. A sense of overwhelming dread. He glanced down and found that he was wearing armor again. But this was not his own. The chest piece had a stag's head emblazoned on it. He glanced up and found fog surrounding him. It moved and shifted, revealing an army behind it, carrying a banner of the same stag on their armor. Looking across the barren field, he found another army carrying a banner of a wolf. He had a gut feeling that all wasn't what it seemed here. And with that thought, a screech echoed among the fog. Benedict's attention was pulled up to find an eagle soaring high above, watching, waiting. And then an owl landed on a branch next to him. And he thought he saw it smile. The light drizzle of rain pulled Benedict out from this vision. And back to the dreary town they traveled through. Thank you, Nightmare. 
please. What the? He looked at Margot and quickly realized emblazoned on her armor was the same wolf of that opposing army from the vision. The leather was much more modern in style, though, and he noted this was the same armor that Karn wore as well beneath his cloak. Hey, I don't blame you two for wanting to escape. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm impressed. You are every ounce the hero we've heard about. Benedict Shieldheart. What do you want with us? Why are you doing this? Ah, the answer to that has many lays. The short version? Palace runs the fortress now. And he is greatness. We'll give anything to have you two in his hands. And as I said before, that money could help us eat for a while. Whether or not we get blood on our hands to do it. There was a silence for the remainder of the journey as they approached the encampment. Some of the guards stood and hopped off the slow-moving cart to walk ahead. As they closed the distance, they noted the guards and soldiers here wore different armor, recognizable dark armor, that Benedict was very familiar with. Both the guards walked alongside the cart and sat with Benedict Cordelia, tensed, and became very, very silent. Benedict turned his attention to one of the guards across the cart from him. Onga Jagen, Vak Um, was gonna Ilvunstund? The guard looked surprised as Benedict asked the question in Dwarvish, or what he thought was Dwarvish. It's best not to speak. Besides, your Dwarvish needs work. You tell us where we are going. I am Benedict. What is your name? I know who you are. Rodney. Can you help? We just want to know why. Ravia looked around nervously, but everyone continued marching. Karn looked back and nodded solemnly let out a hefty sigh, and they both could see shame lining his eyes. Cordelia, Benedict, and Ravia leaned in to cloak their conversation. Our options are to serve Lord Pallas or die. Our, our people are cursed, and he has a tight grip around our necks. I'm sorry. We're, we're just doing what we have to in order to survive. Curse. Can we help you break this curse? That is impossible. The only one who could break this curse is our sage. And he is no longer with us. Benedict opened his mouth to respond, but Ravia shook their head, gesturing towards the front of the cart. They had reached the middle of the encampment now, and Benedict saw a slightly familiar figure waiting for them stood a tall man, powerfully built, shrouded in tight, dark cloth like a close-fitting shadow. Benedict could sense something very wrong in him, now that he was closer than when he was in the stands of Enric. He struggled to remember his name. His red eyes behind the blackened iron helm adorned with twin forward-facing horns pierced through Cordelia's heart sending shivers down her spine. Whoa there. 
Settle down. The cart came to a halt, and Ravia assisted Cordelia down gently. She stopped her for a moment, looking at her with a deep, regretful frown. I'm sorry. Cordelia felt herself pitying them. These were people just trying whatever they had to do to survive. She gave them a weak but reassuring smile. The two were ushered towards the being with the burning red eyes. But as they got closer, Medic's heart sank as he remembered who he was. Maldros the Unrelenting. I... <laughs> Hearing my old gladiator name never ceases to bring back such fond memories of these northern fighting pits. <laughs> but, uh, I won my freedom, dog boy. My freedom and my name. My, my apologies, Lord Maldros. Now, that wasn't so hard, was it? So much better, Khan. Who do you bring before me? You said they were important, but they look nothing more than rats. Maybe... maggots. Bendix was surprised to realize that Maldros didn't notice who they were. Were they so weak and frail that they were really that unrecognizable? It didn't matter. They were both prepared for what surely could only be death once Karn disclosed their names. But Karn's demeanor shifted. Uh, they... And Cordelia noted that he tensed more, glancing towards the two with uncertainty, before turning his attention back to Maldros. They, uh... They are thieves and vagrants. We caught them raiding our supply. And with how limited we already are, I just assumed you'd want them brought to justice. Cordelia and Benedict risked a shocked glance at each other. You there? Come here. As Maldros turned to speak to the guard, Karn carefully snuck a soft smile and nodded at them. He couldn't bring himself to go through with it. And that may have been just what saved their lives. But their relief was short-lived and replaced with dread, as Maldros replied. Uh, waste of my time. They don't even have enough meat on their bones to bring a laugh. Fighting drakes and bears in the pits, do they? <laughs> uh, fine, they can rot in the cell for all I care. Take them to the fortress. Let's go. Back to the cart. Come on, move it! Benedict and Cordelia were silent as their cart rocked towards the towering obsidian fortress. The fortress was massive and menacing, with an array of jagged spires thrusting from the evergreen-covered hills and mountains surrounding it. From a distance, one could assume the fortress was genuinely crafted of pure obsidian. As they came closer, Benedict noted that the dark color also seemed to come from wear, tear, and the grime of other stones that made the walls a dull, dark color that blended with the actual obsidian in the trim. Cordelia became very aware of the roars and growls echoing from beyond a massive rusty portcullis. The same width as the front gate at the Celestine Tower, she noted, not as welcoming. 
As they wheeled through the gates of the fortress, her fears were brought to reality, and her heart pounded against her chest in both awe and terror at the huge creatures that surrounded them in the courtyard. The regal sky blue, menacing red, and slender black dragons were freely eating or talking to each other, ignoring these new pests. Both shield hearts lowered their heads, not daring to reach any of the beast's gazes as they got out of the car. <sighs> All right, enough lollygagging. Let's go before you become part of the menu. Come on, move it. The two were led to the interior of the fortress and down wet stone stairs into the dungeons. Not wanting to out themselves as to who they really were, they kept silent until... Come on! No! You can't do this! The guard that bound Benedict's hands turned away from Cordelia and her captor, taking another corridor. Don't do it! Benedict struggled, but he had used any energy he had saved on their earlier attempt at an escape. Wait! I'll be okay. Just stay safe until we can get out. I... Just stop. Trust me for once. I'll... I'll be with you. Okay? I... I trust you. Be strong. Come on, move it! Cordelia smiled at him as reassuringly as she could as they were ushered away. Benedict knew his cousin well. You could still see the concern written all over her features, like a dusting of makeup. He watched over his shoulder as they were forced in opposite directions, attempting to make note of where she was going to be held. But they soon lost each other in the dark, musty torchlight of the halls under the great fortress. Well... Here we are, home sweet home. You will pay for this. <laughs> Hear that? He says we're gonna pay. Whatever you say, little man. Get in there! Hey, nutty. Got you a friend. Why don't you eat him like the last one? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Gobble him up, he did. <laughs> Benedict listened to the guards walk away from the cell before smacking the ancient oaken door with the heel of his hands in frustration. I have to get out of here. We have to get... Benedict was startled, realizing he wasn't alone. He turned on his heels, his eyes narrowing to focus into the dark corners of the cell. He rubbed his sore wrists where the marks were from the rough hemp that had bound him for so long. Who's there? Show yourself. Out of the shadows, slowly waddled a frail old man, dressed in dirty cream and gray muslin. His wiry, unkept gray hair and beard framed wise, owl-like eyes. 
He smiled wide at Benedict, revealing rows of teeth covered in yellow. Oh. Okay. Benedict relaxed his shoulders, quickly assuming his cellmate was harmless. My... Well, he hoped. My apologies. What is your name? The man merely touched his own throat gently with his long skeletal fingers and shook his head side to side. He turned and excitedly pointed at the wall where several crude drawings of a stag and a wolf were. Then Benedict's eyes grew wide. Do I know you? He noted how familiar the old man looked, as if stepping out of a recent dream. That vision in the square. That was you, wasn't it? These drawings. What are they? Wait. You can't speak, can you? The man nodded gently, baring his yellow teeth to offer yet another smile. Cordelia knew she was not alone in this damp and musty cell as whoever or whatever was accompanying her was making a low, gruff, almost growling noise. Obviously not very excited to have a cellmate, she assumed. For a few hours, Cordelia kept to the corner of the cell, closest to the heavy iron-banded oak door. She stayed silent, letting her eyes adjust to the darkness and weighed her surroundings. There wasn't much to the cell besides being damp. A little pad of straw was in the corner, but smelled of ammonia and mold. Yeah. I'll just sleep by the door. After some time, she was able to make out the figure curled up in the opposite corner of the room. He was big and cradling his arm. He didn't make much more sound than when she entered the cell, but his breathing was slightly labored. Hey, are you hurt? He let out a distrusting grunt, but shifted his head to look at her. She could see him much more clearly now. An orc, powerfully built with midnight skin and eyes that looked like deep pools of blood. Despite such a nightmarish appearance, his face was pleading to end the pain. I can help if you will let me. Cordelia shifted to her knees, and the orc bolted to his feet, letting out a disgruntled, angry grunt of warning. Cordelia raised her hands to show she meant no harm. I won't hurt you. I promise. She smiled kindly at him and slowly clasped her hands together, closing her eyes to focus and muster her energy into her palms. She then spread her hands out in front of her, releasing four tiny white sparkling lights. She urged them to dance around the room slowly. Upon opening her eyes, she found the orcs focused entirely on the lights. He wasn't fearful of them, but looked to be in awe, smiling at the lights, danced gracefully in scarlet pools of his gentle eyes. See? I'd like to be your friend. The lights approached the orc slowly as Cordelia carefully stood and took a couple of careful steps towards him. Do you trust me? He took his eyes away for a moment to smile at her 
nodding gently. She reached out a hand, one of the lights fluttering just above her palm, and smiled kindly at him as he carefully offered her his powerful hand in return. Less than a whole day had passed when Benedict found himself bouncing in the back of a cart again. This time, the guards were quiet with them. When he asked what they were doing or where they were going, he was met with stares if he was lucky. Otherwise, it was just silence, save they're joking with each other in some unknown language. The old man sat across from him, looking at Benedict with a kind awe like a child watching the fires of the festival or a clown perform. He looked at his hands. The hands were bound again. Hey. They both leaned towards each other, the old man again smiling calmly. There was an understanding behind his eyes that Benedict knew him as some sort of holy man. What did that vision mean? The old man nodded and closed his eyes. Suddenly, Bendix's mind was thrust onto the battlefield again. This time, the owl turned into the old man and stood next to him, taking his hand. This is the greatest war of our world, my son. Walk with me to a time before this and learn. Tall man in jet black armor stood with a flaming sword. His helmet shrouded his face, the horns reaching up in multiple prongs of twin antlers, stag's antlers. That man is Rook, the Conqueror, the Black King, your people's great battle master in the times before the fall of the stone. He sought power, and his wrath was unparalleled. His power grew until one day, like all great leaders, he found someone who was even greater. Years went by, and years turned to centuries, and his body was found by one of the shattered fae of the North, those people that walk the twilight world between realms in the cursed shattered lands. We were starving, our their leaders known as the Severed Seven made a pact with one of our ancestors to use the horn from his helmet as some sort of powerful wand. A miracle. We were able to defend ourselves and till the earth. A miracle that carried a terrible price. The moon became our master, cursing us to walk as half-man, half-beast. Werewolves. Yes. In most cases, werewolves. 
soon we couldn't even till the earth and the wand died. This curse is how Pallas exploits us, uses us to do his bidding with the promise of a full belly. <laughs> there is a legend though, only a carrier of both bloodlines may take the wand back to the Black King. That is why we need you. Benedict opened his eyes. Both bloodlines? And saw the old man smile, nodding at him, showing those yellowed, jagged, broken teeth. Here it is. Looking around, Benedict saw they were in a small forest clearing. A rough-cut oaken platform was erected with several vertical poles. Hanging from the end of each one was a single head-shaped loop of rope. Whoa! All right, let's get this over with. They were roughly shoved out the back of the cart and up the rough steps. Come on. Can't keep the burying waiting, you pukes. Benick's heart began to race. No. No. Suddenly, the sage whipped around and buried his teeth into Benedict's shoulder. He felt pain and fire race in his mind as he struggled to free himself. Get off of me! Told you he was hungry. <laughs> Benedict broke free. Hey, stop it! Wait! No! Get him! Then the confusion and his own panic ran towards the end of the oaken gallows. He saw a horse and he called for it. The horse, hearing the call, galloped over to Benedict, who swiftly jumped off the deck onto its back. Come on! Fire! And sped away out of the range of a few arrows. Looking behind as he disappeared into the woods, he saw the old man smile and howl to the sky. saw him fall as they swarmed over him. His curse was finally ended in swift strokes by the guards of the Dark Army. As the nights passed into days, Cordelia's cellmate allowed her to clean and take care of his wound, which, given the conditions, began healing beautifully. He somehow always had paper and charcoal in the cell with him, and that's how he communicated. He couldn't write well, but after a while she was able to decipher his work and his charades very well. Eventually, it felt like they had their own language, but he would only say one thing. Because of this, she came to call him Bumbup, and he smiled when she used the name. They became very close. She shared her food when the guards accidentally dropped his. And he killed a snake that snuck into the cell to protect her. Over time, she felt him relax around her, and Bumbub even explained that he could not speak, 
due to his tongue being removed. She never pressed why, but she did defend him the best she could against the guards, who bullied him rather harshly. He has more humanity than any of you ever could! <laughs> she had yelled at two guards who had picked on him one night, which made him laugh, something he had not done in a long while. Cordelia, in turn, showed her trust by being honest about who she was and how she and Benedict got separated from their friends. This seemed to spark some sort of inspiration in him. In the following nights after that, he focused hard on a single drawing. A map? Bum-Bum revealed this map to her. And with a few hours of trades and sign language, Cordelia was able to understand he had a plan to get out, involving both a guard change the night of the full moon and an old friend. Cordelia, I presume? Depends on who's asking. <laughs> well, my name is Fior, and I have a friend here for you. If you are she, that is. Hey, Lamprey, this her? Lamprey? <laughs> Come on, kid. We don't have much time. Fior unlocked and swung open the gate. Cordelia stepped out after Bumbub and hugged Lamprey tightly. Fior and Bumbub clasped hands and pulled each other into an embrace. Good to see you, brother. All is well. Bumbub nodded as his dark, powerful jaw pulled back, smiling gently. Lamprey, I, I don't understand. How are you here? Bumbub signed to Fior, very similarly to how he communicated with Cordelia, and Fior smiled, nodding. That's a long story. But the three of us go way back. Brother likes your hair, by the way. Since it reminds him of your mother's. You... You knew my mom? I did. Yes. He smiled warmly at her, with a single nod. Brother smiled, and that's when she noticed him stand up straight. Powerful. He winked at her. You... really didn't need me to help you, did you? Bumbo wrapped his arms around her, <laughs> chuckling. Sorry for the charade, but we didn't want them to know he's stronger than he seems. Yes, yes, whatever. Now move over there, you big ox. Lamprey started ushering him back into the cell. I apologize, Cordelia, but we really don't have time for this. Wait, aren't you coming with me? No, child, I'm here to replace you. They won't notice, and if they do, they'll just assume that we traded sense. What about Benedict? They took him to be hung and... What? No! Whoa, there. Let me finish, kid. Oh, wow, so impatient. She is the daughter of Laura Hanna, isn't she? <laughs> <laughs> that obvious, huh? Well, he escaped, kiddo. He's safe and sound. Now, you listen to me. You have friends waiting for you in the West in Shikara. You must head straight there. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. Appearing in this episode, The Sage, Clyde Sachs, Benedict the Paladin, Brian Dowling, Cordelia the Fire Mage, Jolene Fresquez, Fior, Steve Roche, Guards, Patrick Kramer and Sarah Jenkins, Karn, the Bartender, Heath Martin, Lamprey, Matthew Bianchi, Margot, the Wolfling Warrior, 
Melanie Petri, Ravia, the Dwarven Warrior, Jackie Kitts, Bumbub, the Orc Prisoner, Byron Thompson, Maldros the Dark, and Keldor the Narrator, Mike Atchley. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater, Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance, and their full list can be found in the show notes. Next time, in our season's conclusion, as Una's patron, Ash De La Rosa, pushes them closer to the ancient tomb of Stroth, they first must go back to where it all began. Until next time, dear adventurers, stay safe and remember the oath.